This is Fred Vogel from Toe Tag, and you're listening to Sick on Cinema. And welcome to a mini episode of Sick on Cinema. I am one half of your Kings of Hell podcasters, John. <laughs> I'm your other half, Matt. And we are joined by a special guest. Hello, everybody. How do you want to go by on here? Uh, I guess Gilby, Matthew. Gotcha. And this is a special episode. It's a mini episode. Uh, it's late because all three of us have been very busy working on projects and stuff. Work, life, shit. Mostly shit for me, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what this is, is we're going to be talking in great detail, so expect spoilers as we go through this. The latest horror film that has divided the horror community, some love it, some absolutely hate it, and that is Hereditary. Looks like we're a little late to the party, too. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know... That's usually the case with this podcast. <laughs> We're just we'll, fashionably late. Look, we can just yeah. say that uh, we took our time in order to like completely digest the movie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so didn't. this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think our guest, uh, uh, you said you watched it twice, right? I watched it twice, yeah. Yeah, yeah we only watched it once. <laughs> it's been like a month. <laughs> so, so we're recording this a little differently, so the audio is going to be a little different. But that's why it's a little special mini episode, which is fun. We got a dago in the background having a good time with the ball. No, he's not. He's upset. <laughs> um, what do you guys, what do you boys, why do you boys want to start this? Uh, you, I think you should start it. Alright, well, Hereditary, as I said, is the latest film from A24 Films, directed by... Ari Oster, which is actually his debut feature, which is absolutely insane. He's only done a few short films up until then. Um, basically, it tells the plot of this family, who at the very beginning of the film is dealing with the loss of uh, the grandmother. And you kind of see how they are coping with it. And we will get into spoilers, but right now, just for the general plot... Eventually, something happens that kind of changes the dynamic of the family, but maybe things aren't all what they seem, and it's not all just a, some kind of family drama, but maybe these things are set into action, into predetermined destiny kind of things. So that's the basic plot of Hereditary, and I think it's safe to say that we all liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's just get into spoiler-rific... No? <laughs> <laughs> Discussions. So, Gilbert, you've seen it twice now. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about 
you know, breaking it down a little bit about some of the things that you... Uh, okay, so I guess some of the broad strokes. Uh, I do feel like the movie... The opening... Not the very opening shot of the movie is actually the treehouse. Yes. And then the camera pans around and it shows one of the models that the mom works on. So she evidently does an art exhibit and uh, she makes like a mini world, I think might have been what it's called. Yeah. But anyway, and it's pretty seamless, uh, which the camera work in this, I believe, is excellent. Mm-hmm. And you seamlessly like transition from the model into real life. And the very ending shot is everything kind of changes into another model. So, one of the big themes, and, and also during, there's a part where they're in the classroom and they talk about uh, if we're just, you know, puppets. Yes. If we have free will or if everything's set in motion. So, kind of the movie from the get to the go is um, it's kind of putting you in this view of a, an omnipotent being or kind of putting you in a place of um, like I guess we're all kind of like we're the the characters are puppets or uh, yeah or uh, they're about to be controlled yeah that there's like there's nothing they literally there's not a single thing they could have done to change the way the film was going to play out it was all predetermined they were just tools in the cog moving this whole thing forward which, you know, is an excellent point because we watched a review. Uh, Angry Joe is the guy's name. Probably a lot of people on YouTube oh, yeah. know it. Um, he was kind of saying that the, the, the dolls had no purpose in the film, which I think immediately you disapprove that. But Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think they go for a hierarching um, thought. I mean, I don't know if this is a good place to, to, to say it. And I, I might not be 100% accurate, but that is what I, I kind of took from from that and well, you know like if you go to school for uh, film theory I mean that's all it is, is you just kind of discuss whether it's right or wrong who knows so but I don't know I think it's a complete and I've heard a few people say that and so I'm not trying to just like shit on that guy but that'd be like well those dolls are a cool aesthetic but they don't really bring anything to the movie and from the get to the go once that finale happened I kind of you know was like oh that's all what that is it's like these are the set pieces these were all predetermined. They are the miniatures being placed into their settings. I mean, the majority of everything that's shown in the movie has some kind of purpose in it. Yeah, I think so, too. It's a deeper film than I think some people are giving it credit for. Yeah. It's being compared to, like, Rosemary's Baby and stuff like that, and the slow burn aspect of it, which it is a very slow movie, but I, for one, was never bored no, oh, I, no, I actually like the slow burn quite a bit. Yeah, me too. Uh, and, then, and there's another, I guess, um, complaint is how long it is without stuff happening. But I, I feel like all of it just build up the characters, mm-hmm. uh, build up the tension. Uh, and, and the whole movie, I was like, what, where are we going? But I mean, it yeah. is a slow burn. But um, I didn't have a problem with the pacing of the movie. Yeah. And I heard they cut an hour. Which is crazy. Film. So Jesus. it could have been a, a bit longer. Yeah. Uh, but I thought, uh, for the cut that we seen, I thought it was uh, really good. Um, so, I don't know, I feel disjointed talking about it here. But well, So, so then you just follow the family. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. You see that Peter, who is the son, mm-hmm. is kind of like a stoner. Um, you see that Charlie's odd, who yeah. is the daughter. Uh, the grandmother, you didn't know, but obviously she was riddled with... Uh, 
talking about her past being uh, well at at the very opening scene when you see uh, the mother uh, what's her name Annie yeah she's giving the eulogy and she's like she's a very private woman and she's like what are all these people you know who are all these people that are here and um, so so you learn you're learning kind of the dynamics you're learning the character yeah characters the father is more like just an everyday fella uh and then the daughter also appears to have some some handicaps uh she makes like a little clicking noise and she's making this odd art which all fall into place a little bit later on yep um it's it's an interesting dynamic because it's you know the first kind of heavy topic it kind of deals with is like you know the mother of the family who's you know played brilliantly by tony collette uh, she is dealing with the loss of her mother, but she was very estranged from her mother, so she's almost feel she doesn't feel the sadness that she thinks she, she would feel. Numb to it. Yeah, so I took it as she almost felt guilty for not feeling more. Yeah, exactly. So like you know, right off the bat, you know, the family it's it's odd because that's not usually portrayed in a movie like that. Most films, you know, it's like loss has showed a specific way but in, from the beginning you know she's she isn't as connected to her mother so she isn't feeling that the way she thinks so she goes to a uh was it a grief group yeah like a grief counseling group which uh doesn't really play into anything at first <laughs> not until uh which which, later on yeah which i guess is like so eventually the son goes to a party, and the mother convinces him to take her sister with her. Um, we learn early in the film that Charlie, I think your name is, right? Yeah, the, the daughter. Has uh, a nut allergy. So we go to this party, and one of the first things they show is like literally like a shot of like a chopping board with like yeah. the most nuts I've yeah. ever seen. A ridiculous amount of nuts. Just being hacked away, so you know something's going to happen. So Peter leaves her alone to go smoke pot with this group of people. And as he's, she's, he's doing that, Charlie uh, eats a piece of cake, which does has... Yeah. And on second viewing, you could see like a piece of cake that actually had nuts in it. Yeah. I was seeing if you could actually see the nuts. Mm -hmm. So, so she, she, she eats it, and she begins to have an allergic reaction. So he's trying to rush her to the hospital, but, at the same, but things are getting kind of chaotic. She rolls the window down, sticks her head out to... Um, catch her breath and they run into a pole because of something in the road what was in the it, it looked like a like a like a deer carcass like a deer carcass yeah so basically it, it decapitates her yes which the way that scene is done is honestly like one of the most brilliant things I've seen in theaters in a long it time it is very jarring um it's very the scene is like cause you don't really expect it you kind of see the peanut allergy is set up pretty blatantly. It's like, oh, well, that's going to come into play. And then uh, you think something bad's going to happen, but then, boom, her head's gone. Mm -hmm. And then, um, which, uh, he just can't even bear it and just drives home and uh, goes to sleep. And then you wake up. The family wakes up, and they just find, or the mother just finds the dead body out there. And then there's like a hard cut to the the head. Yes. Like laying next to the street yeah. covered in ants. So nothing, no gore has definitely happened up in this point. Mm -hmm. So that scene, like that cut, 
was just a, I mean, it hit hard. And then, then you go back to the mother just like wailing. Yeah. In pure misery because of the, the a, daughter. A super realistic depiction of loss. To me, what makes that scene work so well is like it's so chaotic. Like the quick cuts between Peter and Charlie, and like showing the road, and there's a panic. And when it happens, it's super quiet and still. I mean, it's such a like psycho Hitchcock moment because it's like, oh, this is your main character. Actually, it's not. <laughs> yeah, good point. But like, to, like, and then like the scenes of him like starting to look into the mirror, but can't pull himself to do it. So he almost says he ignores it and like pretends like it didn't happen and just like if he goes home and goes to bed, then when he wakes up in the morning, it'll all be okay. Like nothing happened, but alas, reality yeah. sets in. Rough, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna jump back a little bit, Go which, for it. which eventually you find out um, there's a cult involved mm. that's controlling all those things. So yeah. on the pole, you see a shot before, like when they're going to the party of the the. It's full of spoilers here. Is the, the Payamon symbol oh. is on the pole uh, before. Um, same pole she hits, you know? Yeah, it is. It oh, is. wow. So, so just another thing showing that it's kind of in motion. Yeah. And then a theory I haven't heard anyone say, but uh, and it's probably because it's not true. Uh, <laughs> well, but, but what I thought is that... So, this girl that's at the party that he goes to smoke pot with throughout the film, you see her, like, looking at him oddly, and then, like, uh, you know, obviously he notices her, and he has, like, her Facebook page up at one point before the party, and uh, at the party, she's just kind of sitting there by herself. She don't seem that interested in him, but then he's like, you smoke pot, which she knows he does. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, yeah, let's go to this room. So I was thinking that it's potential that she could have been a member of the cult to help put this all in order. Well, no, I don't think that's far, too far-fetched no. or anything because it's like, you know, we're talking about the whole thing is predestiny. You know, everything was going to happen the way it happened. She's just another piece to pull him away so that she eats the cake. Even though he tells her to eat the cake, basically. Yeah. But he wasn't aware of the nuts. Yeah. Well, she should have, because it was a <laughs> goddamn cutting board with the most amount of nuts I've ever seen in my life being chopped up. But, so, um, yes, yeah, you know, you're talking about the, you know, the decapitation scene. And it's, it the, the, the you know, the whole time as it's happening, I'm like, good lord, this is horrible. But then, like the the nail in the in the in the coffin of it is is the the shot of the head sitting there, because you just don't see it coming, you know. Because they go so far of not showing anything, like they don't show the body in the back seat, they don't show her finding the body, which I think is a brilliant way to do that too, because that really connects you to the Peter character, because he's laying there just waiting for it. He can hear her going downstairs, you know. So you're with him as he figures, like he's like, here it comes, basically, you know. Yeah. But then they cut to that shot of that head, and it's like covered in ants, and it's just like it's such a stark image that it's really like taking you. It takes you aback, like it's like holy shit moment. Yeah, it's very heavy, very heavy. Yeah. Uh, another thing. So also like at the very opening, uh, w- when you transition from uh, the shot uh, through, uh, you start off on on the treehouse and then it pans around it shows the model and it goes in there the very first character that you do see is Peter yeah that's the first character and then you know which I just think is interesting because that's what what the movie then focuses on for the majority of it is yeah the even, character. even though uh, 
what's her her real name's Tony Collette. What's her she's the mother. Uh, Annie. Yeah, even though she's kind of the main character of the movie, Peter is kind of her focal point. Everything kind of like, especially when the ending happens, everything like hinges on him. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty fascinating. And also something we didn't talk about too with the head thing is there's a lot of like like foreshadowing of decapitation before that scene. Like there's a scene where Charlie literally cut the head Oh yeah, off of a, a bird. bird. Of a bird. Like, uh, do you have any? Like, does anybody have any? Like, what is why the decapitation thing? Why she cut the head off the bird? Yeah, like why? I I do not know. Uh, <laughs> later, she draws a picture of it with a little crown on its head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if that's just. Uh, I mean, the, I don't really understand the whole decapitation things, mm-hmm. other than it frees people. I don't. Maybe I don't even know if that makes sense. Uh, so I don't. I don't really know. I don't. You got any thoughts on that, man? I mean, I, I mean, I remember you saying something about like, uh, it was something to do with like myth, like mythology and stuff like that. Well, there like is the there is a picture that they show later in the film uh, that has Pam on. He's riding on like a camel, and then the, it has like three heads. Three heads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when I, I went and did a little research into Paimon, like, in, uh, just on the internet, <laughs> very briefly, and it didn't really say anything about heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if that's just a, something they're trying to get across in this movie, uh, or if maybe it's a little deeper, I just need to go a little bit deeper. Uh, but it does seem like, so the daughter loses her head. Yep. Uh, the grandma's head is gone. Yep. Uh, we'll later see that her body show back up, and uh, the so so Charlie's head is gone. The grandmother's, and then Annie cuts her own head off. Yeah. Uh, so that's three heads, and I don't know if that's just for this whole thing's a ritual to bring Pamon back. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's just something required to bring him back that he likes that sacrifice the the heads. Or, or if there's like a maybe a deeper theme that they. It's also interesting in this movie too because like it's three generations. It's the grandmother, yeah. it's the mother, and it's the daughter. Going right back to the name of the the film, Hereditary. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it does seem like there is something about this bloodline that mm-hmm. is required for Paymon's return in it. And like the movie, like is brilliant at like putting little things into play early. That will come into fruition later. Like oh, yeah. from the get to the go, Charlie tells the mother that Grandma wanted me to be a boy. Yeah, and we learn why that is as we get to the end of the film. You know, and it's like it's just perfect storytelling, really, in my opinion, because it keeps it gives you enough to keep you engaged, and then like, but then when it reveals, you're like, oh shit! But still, you have questions, but in a good way, I think. So. Charlie's death happens, and then the mother attempts to go back to the grief counseling, but can't bring herself to go inside. However, she is stopped by a lady who was... Joan? Joan, yes. Who also, was it her was it her kids or her grandkids? That got killed? Yeah. She said her son and her grandkid drowned, I believe is what she said. Yeah. So, they kind of, they began a, a, a bond because they both sim- suffered similar losses um and eventually Joan you know comes to her super ecstatic and like hey 
happy. And be- between that, which we, what we haven't covered, is the slow breakdown of the core family between the father, the mother, and Peter. They begin to... I mean, the mother starts to blame uh, was it Peter mm. for what happened. And the father is just kind of like, I don't want this to happen. I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah, he seems to not be placing the blame on anybody, yeah. per se. Uh, which, there is the big scene at the first grief counseling where, where uh, Annie, uh, Tony Clett's character, mm-hmm. goes on this thing about how she's blamed. I don't know if I understand that all entirely either. Mm-hmm. But they're like, blamed for what? She's like, for everything. And that's where she gives the backstory of how the mental illness, which is yeah. another theme within this film, is uh, mental illness. Um and it talks about how the grandmother's life was very hard because of all the mental illness, which isn't brought into question if it was that or if she was just trying to do this mm-hmm. back then. That's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah, I can kind of, like I can kind of see where that's coming from because like you know, is is mental health inherited kind of thing? So it's like if if your family is kind of messed up, you know, and, and there's that in your bloodline, I guess you could feel like. I did this kind of thing, you know what I mean? I mean, neither of us are doctors, so no. we can't say for sure if uh, mental illness is passed on. I've always heard that it is. I mean, I, so I mean, I don't. know. It's an interesting idea to think yeah. about. But so Joan kind of it brings up this idea of a séance because she did it and it worked. Which at this point in the movie, honestly, I was starting to get a little concerned. I was like, "Where's this going?" You know what I mean? Are we going to get, like, a haunting movie? Because I, I think if that's where this film had went, I wouldn't have been very... I wouldn't have been into it. You know what I mean? If it turned into, like, a conjuring ghost story, I think I would have been very disappointed. I think I still liked it, but uh, I like where it went. Mm-hmm. But, so, she does it, shows it to shows it to Anne, and it it works smashingly, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> couldn't have gone any better. <laughs> so she decides to do this in order to speak with Annie, I guess, to get closure. However, when she attempts it with uh, her husband and Peter, it doesn't go well. Which, you know, with the ending of the film, that it was probably not Annie. But but what do you think about that scene? Like, what do you think happened there? Well, I, she, she, I feel like Annie sets, sets up... Uh, or Joan sets up Annie to uh, basically... Summon uh, Pema's spirit back. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gives her this language to read that she don't even know, and that kind of gets things started. But then she summons it back, uh, Charlie's spirit, yeah. uh, which is also Pamon. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I think it was. I don't. It was all a big hoax to get get that spirit where it needs to be for as part of the ritual. Is what I think. Yeah. That's what I take from it. It's what I think's happening. It's interesting too because when you look at it from like the grief standpoint of the film, you know, not the supernatural aspect of it, it makes sense because she's super, you know, she's still distraught. She can't come to terms with it, and even though she may not believe in this stuff, she sees it as a way to get finally get closure. So she's willing to go any lengths really to, so she's the perfect target to bring that back because yeah, she's willing to do it no matter what. So the film begins to get a little more supernaturally at that point. Oh, yeah. That's kind of the turning point of the film. 
I mean, there's there's stuff that happens earlier on that kind of leads to the supernatural. Mm-hmm. But that's like this is the 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 turning yeah, point. Yeah, this of the is film, definitely. Which is where some people complain because it is quite later in the movie. To me, it made sense though this way. Mm-hmm. This was the final ditch effort to kind of get closure. So why wouldn't it be that later? You know, why it wouldn't be the first thing you think of doing. No. So it just makes sense that way. But uh, so. Weird things start happening with Peter, which, you know, I feel like is, like, the beginnings of possession, yeah. it seems like. Well, Tony, her se- or, or uh, Annie herself, don't she start speaking like uh, yes. Charlie? Yes. Um, and Sorry, it, I've dera- derailed you. No, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to... So both of them start showing definite signs of being controlled or having some sorts of possession in them well the Mm -hmm. father doesn't seem to i don't know the father's an interesting character to me because like if you look at peter right clearly that guy's not the bad i don't think well maybe not it don't look like it would be because he's a completely different ethnicity so do you think the reason that he's not having these same experiences is because he's not part of that bloodline. Hmm. It's interesting. That may be. Uh, or it might just... Yeah. Because I almost felt like he was married into both of these. Like, he's the stepdad to these two. He could be. But either way, I guess... I guess his blood might not be the important blood either. It's true. Um, but he is definitely... Like the... He's definitely freaked out by it all. Yeah. He's like... This is stupid. Let's stop this. And he's kind of driving the angle of the mental illness. He's mm-hmm. like, there's even a scene a little bit later after this where he's like, I guess trying to write a therapist to say that she's had a mental break. Um, but uh, but it's wild. But it does seem like the the supernatural stuff doesn't really affect him. No. Until a little bit later. Until something really bad happens well, to him. Um, <laughs> we'll just say later on he gets absolutely fucked. <laughs> so. I just thought it was interesting because he's never affected by that stuff. And I just wonder if it is because he's not. Like, it all lynches around her. So, the kids are affected, but not him. Uh, he definitely sees some stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's never even willing to, like, I don't know, accept in the least that it's paranormal. No. Which they bring up earlier in the film about um, Annie, at one point, was sleepwalking and was pouring paint thinner on her kids to... She set him a fire. And herself, yeah. And herself. Which she was sleepwalking when she did it. So, I guess, you know, that definitely adds into why he's a little less willing to believe because there's a precedent for that. That she has already, at one point, tried to cause harm to him. It seems like to me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, and, uh, which a lot of people have... You know, I've been mean, like, was she sleepwalking at other times during the film? Mm-hmm. I've heard that brought up. I don't know how much I think she actually sleepwalked, but it's definitely a thought. Uh, one of my friends uh, mentioned the, there's a scene after Peter had uh, killed, basically, uh, Charlie. Yeah. And he comes home on the bike, and the mother's, like, in the car, and he just walks in, and she drives off. But it was... He was kind of like, I think, I feel like she was just out there sleeping in that car. Mm. And like, he's like, was she, 
was that just like her sleepwalking taking her back to that place? Which is an interesting concept. I don't know if it has much legs, but I took I took that scene as almost she was in there getting ready, saw him coming, and couldn't bring herself to be to deal with him. Yeah, Yeah. avoiding him. Yeah, kind of what I I thought too. So she's at one point she tries to reconnect with Joan and can't get hold of her, and and she goes to her addict, I believe. Is that where she finds the pictures, is the attic? Yeah. And she finds these pictures, which are of her grandmother, with Joan. So, uh, there's your first, like, hit of, like, okay, this shit's connected. This was, this is set in some kind of motion. And she begins to try to find a way to reverse it. Wasn't it the same time she's up there, she finds the body? I think the body's a little later. A little later. A little later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, she takes, she's trying to convince the husband to, uh, is it a book? It, it, so, so when she did the ritual where she had to, like, summon Charlie, she had her sketchbook. Hmm. And that was her connection. Yes. And, and, but she tries to get rid of it once to break that connection. Yes. And, it, like, her sleeve catches on fire. As the book does. So yeah. She stamps it back out. So eventually she convinces, I think that is when the body is in the attic, is when, after, uh, Peter, like, destroys himself. At school. God. Yeah, that seems brutal too, though. <laughs> and the body, they find the body upstairs. He's trying to convince her, him, to uh, burn the book, which she says is going to kill her, but that's going to end all this. So they throw the sketchbook. Does she throw it in, or does he throw it in? Cause that was uh, he I was, was little... going to throw it in, and then he's like, this is crazy, we got to call the cops. And then she grabs it and like throws it in. Mm-hmm. And then he bursts into flames. Yes, he, he erupts. And, it's red. And you see, like throughout the film, you see like a light, which like guides some of the characters. You see it like flash over, and her facial expressions change, and then she starts going supernatural city at yeah. that point. So why did he burst into flames? I think that's a big question of this film. Well, what? I mean, you brought up the point earlier with the bloodline. Would he maybe he just didn't have anything important to do with? The rest of what's about to transpire. Maybe it was just the this being getting him out of the way. Yeah. Or maybe it was part of the ritual to like bring him back. Yeah. Uh, and just manipulate it into it. Uh, but um, I, I, it, is, it is interesting. Because it's, uh, it's, it's like, why did the first time it happen? Yeah. But then when it fully goes in, he just... I feel I do feel like it's just them being toyed again, uh, mm-hmm. putting pieces into into motion that need to happen, and that was he was the one that needed to be like a burnt offering or something, mm. and she needed to take her head off. Good point. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so like you said, she kind of switches in that scene. Oh yeah, and Peter awakens to her kind yeah. of creeping. Yeah, well, let's, <laughs> let's back up a little bit. Sure, so, sure. Go ahead. So while. While she's, like, figuring out that the book is burning her and the connection and, and figures out that her mother was part of this cult and sees these pictures with her with Joan, um, you see Joan at, you see Peter at school and Joan is across the road and he's she's like, mm-hmm. I dispel you or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
And so then you see Peter doing some odd stuff at school. He like sees the light and he looks at the light and it's like a reflection of himself, but it's like not him. It's like oddly smiling. Yep. And then he like tries to smash his head off on the desk. Yeah. And uh, which I take is just like they're trying to get him out of his body. Yep. At this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's knocked out. The dad goes gets him. That's when all this transpires. They have their their moment. Uh, she find she had found the grandma up in the attic, headless, headless, and the body black and bloated, mm-hmm. and the Padmon symbol and blood wrote on the wall. Um, but so then after the father burst into flames, Peter wakes up, goes down, sees it. While he's waking up, I didn't see it the first time. I think the projector was a little low light, like on our watching that theater that we that we go to here, and that we always frequent. I feel like that's a big complaint I've had with almost every film we've ever seen there is that I don't know like the the projector just never never looks right like when we saw Krampus it was super dark and I don't I don't know I feel like that's just a problem with that theater so I could see why we missed this the first time around but go ahead sorry but, yeah so Annie's like on the wall mm-hmm. behind uh, behind uh, Peter as he wakes up. And you actually see her walk out of frame, like crawl on the wall sideways out of frame. He goes down, sees his dad's burnt body. She's on the wall again. You also see a weird cult member standing naked in a in the the uh, closet. Yeah. Uh, that you've seen through. You've seen him at the very first of the movie during the uh, the the funeral for the grandmother, and um, then she she. Flies out after him and starts chasing. Not really flies, but starts running after him. Chasing him upstairs into the attic. And then she's like on the ceiling, banging her head, trying to get in. Mm-hmm. He's freaked out. He like starts to look around in the attic and sees more cult members. More cult members. Sees the outline of where the grandmother's body was. It's mm-hmm. gone now. And then you just hear like a like a and like a little splatter noise. And she, he looks up. And there's the mother cutting her own head off of like piano wire or something. Yeah, which oh, is a yeah. ridiculously brutal scene. And for a movie that really only has two like effect set pieces, they're both immensely effective. Yeah, they're because <laughs> very brutal. Like it's honestly shocking this movie went to theaters because well, A twenty four in in general has just been like they really take risks with the films they they go wide with, which I think I, I think is awesome personally, but. I mean, the only movie I've seen that went even remotely close to this far was like something like Sinister at the very beginning with like The Hanging. Mm. Well, except for that, I mean, that is so low quality, you can't tell what's going on. And here it's just, there's this kid's head, here's uh, here's mom cutting her own head off from the ceiling. It's like... Which you can, you can go Jesus with the Christ. whole, uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, how'd she get in there? Like well, when you're dealing with the supernatural and shit like that, I feel like a lot yeah, of things are possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at this point, it's uh, definitely supernatural is is took hold, mm-hmm. which I, I feel is Paimon has has entered her at this yeah. point. It's controlling her, or yeah, it's controlling her. I don't know if it's truly in her, but it's controlling her to get to where it wants to be. Yeah. So Peter sees this, freaks out naturally, <laughs> dives out the window, and hits the ground. And you see the little light fall down and like go into his body. Mm-hmm. He stands up. He makes a noise, which I don't know if that's kind of it. That, yeah. Um, 
and like walk towards the treehouse and you see like a line of cult members there. Yep. Oh, before you see that, he wakes up and looks and the mother's headless body is floating up into the treehouse. Yeah, which is something out of a damn Filipino film from like the 1960s. <laughs> what was that, Mystics in Bali? I think so, yeah. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> something like David Lynch would set up, I think. He, you also see the cult members. You also see the carcass of their dog. Yeah. Um, which I think harkens back to the carcass that was in the road whenever mm. he wrecks. It, it shows that they can control animals or they at least kill animals. Yeah. Um, he goes up there. Uh, there's a shrine built. Uh, there's all the cult members. You see Joan has been over there. Yeah. Um, they put a crown on it ahead and reveal that it's that it's... It's like Charlie, calm down. You're Payman, yep. and you know you're you're one of the kings of hell, and you're you're back, and you know we fixed the wrong of you being a female at first. Yeah. So so that was the whole point was Payman preferred a male form, uh, so they put Charlie into uh, Peter's Peter's body, body to uh, I guess to complete the ritual. Yep, uh, to rebirth. To this world, and it goes off with them, Helen Pelamon, and that's and that's the film. Yeah, and it, uh, it's a it's a condensed version of it. Very right? condensed and jumping all over the place. Yeah, but, well, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I don't know. So the film has divided people yeah. greatly. Mm-hmm. You have one set of people who are like, it's a modern masterpiece. It's amazing. It, it harkens back to that 70s occult, slow burn films. Then you have people like, it's boring, it's stupid, and the ending was dumb. Why is this film not connecting with everyone? Like, what is it about it? I mean, does every film connect with everyone? That's true, but like, in particular films like this, and The Witch, and... Uh... Now, I don't know how the marketing was for this, because I don't really have that much cable. Yeah. It... So... It was advertised as your average like ghost movie almost. So I so. feel like maybe that's it. Maybe it tricked the audience into thinking they was gonna see something they weren't. Maybe and it also probably tricked a little more mainstream audience because I don't feel like this is your mainstream horror film. This no. is a little yeah. more, uh, a little, little deep, deeper cut type of film. Yeah. Um. So I, I mean, I don't know. A lot of horror fans I've met really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, um, I got a friend that I took named Corey. He, uh, he really liked it and he is not much of a horror film person. He don't really like them that much. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Mo- like, cause like, I, you know, it seems like people, like the mainstream's ideal of what horror is seems to be vastly different than like mine per se. Where it's like, it's like, this is too slow, it's more family drama than horror, and it's like, I don't get that mentality at all. I feel like this is a little more like getting your mind type horror, versus like, I see horrible things, mm-hmm. you know? It's kind of subtle, it kind of sets a mood, and then yeah, it just unfolds. Uh, and it is slow, there isn't a bunch of jump scares. I think I got jump scared by that dang bird hitting the window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um... The, there's a good point, too, that I didn't notice, and I didn't even, like, think of it until I was listening to Last Podcast on the Left, which is a podcast that yeah. we like a lot, yes. that the cult members, uh, Henry Zabrowski of Last Podcast on the Left, said he felt thought 
that the cult members that you see at the end of the film are the people in the grief counseling from the beginning of the movie. Which makes sense. I'll have to, I'll have to try to yeah. pick that out whenever the film comes out. And you've seen the film twice now, and it does, to me, it is a film that bears repeat viewing. Yeah. Because you're going to pick up on little things, like the... Like, now you know the Panamon symbol, so you can find that in oh, yeah. other and parts of the film. Start, it, it's right there at the fo- start of the film. And I feel like that might be why they chose this, because not a lot of people know who Payamon is, I mm-hmm. don't feel like. Whereas if it was like a pentagram, we all know what a pentagram yeah. is. But yeah. if you knew who Payamon was, you would automatically pick up on that. Pick up on it immediately. What You would know what's going on. Um, at the end of the... And I don't know, maybe this isn't good, but... Uh, but uh, when I was doing the research, so like I guess people still summon him to help them do things, like people with magical practices. Yeah. Um, and one of the ways they summon him is they use sweet things. Mm. Uh, and so all throughout the film, you see Charlie eating uh, candy. That's all yep. she really eats oh, well, is yeah. sweet things. Yeah, that's uh, very good. Also, he's like a deity of um, arts and sciences. So you, throughout the film, you see her, the whole family the whole actually, family, yeah. the whole family. Uh, is uh well the mother uh, I don't know about the grandmother so much uh, but yes because she made little little tapestry things yep uh, that you that clue you in that her and Joan knew each other and the mother does the models of course and mm-hmm. then she's making these weird little <laughs> pill bottle sculpture things <laughs> with bird heads on them with bird heads on them <laughs> also in the scene when Peter's like smashing his head off the damn desk like what kind of what kind of classes I don't remember what oh, it I don't was. know because if it was one of those classes, that might make sense. Fit all of that. I don't know. I don't know what it was either. I feel like it might have been the history class, but I'm not sure. There's another scene where she eats M and M's that looks suspiciously like peanut M and M's with no adverse reaction. Really? Yes. Hmm. Uh, so that's another thing I seen on the second viewing. I don't know if that's that or not. I did hear the theory that the peanut allergy isn't even a thing that she that's just Payamon's effect on her or when it's controlling her, which could make sense because you see Charlie actually displaying some of this choking things mm-hmm. after or not Charlie Peter after Charlie's been dead. dead. Yep. Again, I don't know if that theory has much legs, but that's what makes this movie good in my opinion yeah. is that you can have tons of these little theories. Uh, and they could be right. They could uh, be, yeah. Sometimes they make sense. Some some make more sense than others, but uh, that's one of the reasons I love the film is just because yeah. it, it lets my mind play with it and see all the possibilities that could be in there. And once you accept the fact, too, that like this was... like There was no stopping this kind of thing. Like From the first frame of the film to when everything went into place, like there's nothing they could have done differently to make this not happen. That there's there's tons of things you can look at like the party, was the party part of it? Because why else are they chopping literally chopping up like peanuts? And what stuff. looks like a gallon of peanuts? Yeah, like it's the most ridiculous. Like in in out of context, it's hilarious because it's like, yeah. what are you gonna do with those? Yeah, <laughs> but like if that's all set into place, maybe that's like they're in on it. You know what I mean? Maybe everybody there is in on it. Like we don't know the reachings of this cult. Or what this cult is even doing, really. Why do they want to summon Paymon again? We don't know. Well, it says that he'll give them riches and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what that means. There's that hilarious picture of the grandmother, like, looking up and they're, like, making it rain on her with yeah, coins and shit. pretty awesome. <laughs> that good. Um, but it's interesting to see films like this hit theaters, because... 
they're not theatrical no. like mainstream movies nowadays. Like A twenty four, we saw The Witch. Uh, it comes at night, and this, you know, all three very divisive films, very uh, debated in in the genre world. So to see a company like really like take a risk, because I don't know, does anybody know how well Hereditary even did? Um, like uh, money wise or. Yeah. Well, no, ratings-wise, it's done very well with well, most yeah. people. Critically, it's been pretty praised, but I don't know if there is even a... Uh... Also, a lot of people have compared this movie to movies like The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby. Well, people say it's... I don't think they're necessarily comparing it to The Exorcist. I feel like they're, there's a, it's become the super controversial thing where the ad campaign is the scariest film since The Exorcist. But that's just... That's just tag bait, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... I think this movie's more like The Shining in ways. Um, I do, I do, uh, I, I've heard people say that, that it wasn't very original film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, to me, it does really remind me of the original, um, dang it, what is it? This, not the bees. Oh, the Wicker Man. It reminds me a lot of the original Wicker Man. Yeah, that's a good pull. Um, and it does, re- I mean, the, the broad strokes are pretty much, you know, Lords of Salem. Um, however, the way this one's, I mean, so so I guess this concept's been done before. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the way this is presented and how well it's done, I think, uh, never once when I watched this movie was I thinking I was watching some other film. Exactly, yeah. Um, um, if any, if it's if it's like any movie, if it's close to any film, The Wicker Man's a good choice because The Wicker Man, but also Rosemary's Baby. I've never seen it. Yeah, well, there is a lot of similarities, I think, between this and Rosemary's Baby. However, this film is also completely different in its execution than Rosemary's Baby. Like, I feel like it's definitely similar in, like, topic to, like, that kind of thing. Like, Rosemary's Baby. But I feel like the way the movie is, like, presented is more in the the form of, like, The Shining, where there's, like, surreal things that you don't even know if they're actually real or not, or, you know. Look at me getting licks over here. (laughs) <laughs> all right <laughs> uh, anyways uh it yeah i mean i can see that uh to an extent to, but to think that this is this guy's first full-length film is pretty incredible yeah, yeah it's insane honestly. he did a good job like i, I hope uh, that he stays with the genre because i think that he could you know he could do good things Good lucha things, if you will. Good lucha things. <laughs> if uh, <laughs> he sticks with he it. Is, uh, the camera work in this movie was brilliant, I thought. Uh, it was really good. Um, there's all kinds of interesting shots and just just the way the camera played. The mm-hmm. camera play was just spot on, I thought. Yeah, just really interesting cuts through. Very very well edited movie. The, the score was great. The atmosphere, the acting. I mean, t- Tony Collette, and you've heard people say it, I've, she literally does deserve to be nominated for an Oscar for this role. Yeah. Like, she's that good. She won't, <laughs> but she deserves it. Is it a horror well, film? If you call it a comedy, maybe she Yeah, <laughs> it's a family drama. Um, so, here's uh, the budget for the film was $10 million, which, you know, that is still low budget. Yeah, technically. still low. Uh, it has grossed fifty nine million, so it has done fairly well. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, and I, I mean it was on the movies. I went to the movies last Thursday, Friday, last Friday. So I mean it was still there. Mm-hmm. Granted, here it only had a couple showings. Yeah, uh, but uh, I mean it's still in theaters. So and I mean, it, it says something. I guess. I mean, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen it. 
because then, you know, I don't know why you would listen to a podcast where we'd say that we were going to spoil the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, or maybe you just don't care about spoilers. But if you haven't seen it, then it gets a high recommendation. For me, at least. Mm, yeah. I think all of us. Yeah. It's definitely... Uh, it's definitely... It was a treat to see at the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely a, a nice surprise. I didn't know what I was getting into. And uh, I really... I mean, I went and seen it twice, so... Uh, it's a recommend for me. I know you guys don't do ratings on here so much, but... Uh, no, but, I mean, if you want to give a rating, you sure... No, I'll just recommend it. I, I feel it's a good film. Uh, hopefully, we've done a good job of, like, making it sound interesting. I think uh, so. Or maybe bring up some points that ha- someone hasn't um, thought of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really enjoy the film. Um, and I'll probably buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray. Because yeah. I can watch it again, honestly. You know, we're hitting, a, we're really kind of hitting like a little bit of a renaissance with horror, honestly. Because with this coming out and doing well, and it doing gangbusters, and, you know, Get Out getting not just nominated, but winning an Oscar. Right. Uh, and with Halloween coming up, you know that movie's gonna Do gangbusters destroy well. the box office. The Meg looks amazing. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know... I think with a, and I think uh, you got to give A twenty four a ton of credit for bringing this about. I mean, I'm like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're gonna go ahead. I mean, this movie, which ironically, like The Witch, are much different horror movies than some that you that would normally come out in theaters. I feel like, mm-hmm. and if you're up for something, I guess different, then I highly recommend it. But I mean, I guess if you're more you know, casual fan, you might not like this as much as. I say still give it a shot. I mean, though. of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, anybody listening to this probably is pretty in on, yeah. pretty deep on movies, honestly. Which, you uh, know. Yeah. <laughs> this movie may be a little step out of what we would normally tackle, but I feel like the decapitation scenes warrant this film being on Sick on Cinema yeah. alone. You take, not including the fact that a teenage boy is now possessed by one of the kings of hell. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Well, how about the fact that also a child dies in this? Yeah. Brutally, too. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I didn't find the movie necessarily scary, but I don't find movies scary. But it was honestly one of the most upsetting experiences mm-hmm. I've ever had in a theater. Like, I was, like, those things truly, truly affected me. There were moments that got me, and the scenes of grief hit me even harder. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we can all relate to that in some, at least in some little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That and, scene's definitely hit hard. Yeah. I mean, truly, like, like, I don't think I... I can't think of seeing a movie in theater that I was, like, that taken aback by a scene like that. I remember we were watching it in the same theater and whatnot, and I remember me and you looking at each other multiple times, like, this happened during this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd let this happen and go to theaters. So, is there anything else you boys want to talk about with Hereditary before we wrap it up? Anything we didn't tackle that you think we need to? Any hidden messages or pro-devil? Uh, Is it pro-devil advocate? Oh, good lord. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> it does bring bring this into the mainstream, this type of magic practice and stuff. Maybe some more people are going to do some chaos magic. Oh, God. This potential. Some, what was it? What was uh, Grant Morrison? What was it that he, uh, the Invisibles was being canceled or something like that? Yeah. And he called everybody to a masturbatory vigil to bring it back and it worked or something like that. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so, does this movie advocate Satanism? Go. Is it advocate? Yes. 
I would say no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it worked. That's all I'm going to say. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it don't cast it in a very good light, That's I would imagine. It, I mean, it was a scary movie. <laughs> a horror film. Something terrible happening. Yeah, and it had to do with the, the Satanists involved. So, you know. Nobody uh, advocates it at all. You know. Sometimes you gotta crack a few eggs, alright? <laughs> <laughs> this is your brain. This is your brain on hereditary. This is your brain on Satanism. Oh, gosh. She's got gold all over it. <laughs> alright, so is, is there any other topic of hereditary? I think, I don't know. Uh, not that I got offhand right now. I think we did it. We covered it. I still go. We still got to do like one more interview. Well, you for do, this. not me. But <laughs> so we want to thank you, Mr. Gilbert. Uh, well, I was glad to be here. Uh, I'm glad that y'all let me come and uh, and be a part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you guys. Yeah, no problem. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'm not hated on here. I don't think so. I no. think this is gonna be a fun episode. So I think it's been really fun. I'm not gonna send us off because there's still one more segment to do. We'll probably record a wrap around. Yeah, probably. So, enjoy Matt and Doug talking about Hereditary. It's going to be awful. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Hello, everybody. And uh, this is the second portion of the Sick on Cinema podcast mini-episode covering Hereditary. Um, I'm not like John when it comes to doing these. I don't have a fancy little intro skit or whatever. Or beginning like he does. I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're just going to get into this. Um, yeah, our special guest, along with Gilby, as you heard earlier. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. My name's Doug, and uh, I'm going to be part of this podcast telling you guys what I thought about the movie Hereditary. And we'll be talking about this movie in detail as you guys already know. With if you heard the first portion, <laughs> oh shit! This is the first portion of the podcast, anyway. Uh, you'll know that uh, we spoiled the hell out of this movie. Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, massive spoiler alert. So, I guess we'll start off with what you <coughs> thought of the movie. Well, I didn't. Once the movie ended. I didn't really sit through the credits or anything, but who who made it? Uh, I think his name's Ari Aster. Well, I, I I thought the movie was honestly a masterpiece. It's gory. It's everything you just almost expect out of a horror movie, and it's been. Probably one of the most gruesome and most <laughs> messed up horror movies I've seen in a while. So, I, I was honestly quite surprised when I seen it. I mean, I would say this movie is definitely a more disturbing film to hit cinemas. I mean, not just in, like, violence. It's just in the tone of the movie as well. Well, yeah. It's that feeling there that's there. And the tone of it, it sets... It's, it's emotional. There's things you don't expect, oh, yeah. and it's just that it's an emotional roller coaster to that movie. Of course, if you again when you heard the first part of this, 
you'll know we talked about most of those things in detail. So yeah, all of these things came out of nowhere. Like, uh, what's her what's her name again? Hold on, just a second. I'm all, her name's Charlie in the movie. Yeah, and she gets decapitated by a light pole, and it's vicious. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, like it, the the time doesn't show anything, so you assume it's gonna be like, oh, we're not gonna see what happens, and then later on it shows everything in its grim detail. So, uh, yeah, this is definitely a, a, a different horror movie. But at the same time, it still has elements from everything else. So, whatever the scene came up of where her head and everything had decapitated, how everything was just moving and rushing so fast. I, I honestly didn't. I wasn't expecting it. And I was... <laughs> I know this make make me sound like a, a sick fuck. But uh, I was honestly quite fascinated. Well, I mean, I don't think that's anything to be, like, call you a sick fuck about. Because, okay. I mean, I feel like death fascinates us all, so... Well, maybe... <laughs> Not all of us, but... Well, I, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, then I feel like most definitely you're at least somewhat <laughs> intrigued by the thought of death. Most morbid people, like, like you and I and all of our friends that we know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's moments in, there in the movie where I was not ready for it, and like like the scenes of like grief, like you know, grief in the family. I was not ready for that. Yeah, there was points where I was thinking about standing up and walking out, not because the movie was bad, but it was because I couldn't necessarily handle that part. Yeah, I I like there was points in that movie where I just I I wanted it to pause and I needed I I just needed a break to get my mind on to uh, just realizing what just happened in that movie and just to be able to continue through watching it, but. You know how the theaters are. They're not just going to stop a movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, so what are some things that you liked about it? Like, I know earlier you said it was a masterpiece, so I'm just yeah. going into detail about things you enjoyed. Well, the all the, the gore that was in it, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of wish they went into more detail on the... Uh, the grandmother that died, which they they did a little bit, but maybe just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand that. Uh, we, during the again the first portion of this podcast, when we're talking to Gilby, he said, "Oh, the, well, they both John and him both said that there was like an hour cut out of this movie, so it could go to theaters. So this movie was originally going to be like over two hours. Dang, I, I didn't even know that." I didn't know that until we started recording. I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> but uh, I like the whole feel of the movie, like you get when you're watching it. It's, like, it's it, definitely horrific. <laughs> yeah, it's just the, the whole tone, the whole tone you get from it. It just sets that, like, whenever the brother killed his sister... Unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> Unintentionally. Like, you know, h- how would that make you feel? God. I don't... Like, he just walked in and he laid in bed and did nothing. 
I mean, it's this whole thing where it's like, you know, maybe it, maybe if I go to bed and I wake up the next day, everything will be fine. But you know, it's not going to be. No. I mean, that happens with a lot of things, like especially something that's as traumatic as something like that, or maybe even less. You're just like, maybe if I sleep this off, it'll stop. Yeah. And, and there, it just doesn't happen. There's there yeah there was no chance of that happening. And the screams that they, they were pretty accurate screams <laughs> on, on what you would see if you saw your decapitated child in the back yeah. of the seat of your car. Uh, I think it's yeah Tony Collette plays Annie who's the mother. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, yeah, she deserves to win a damn award for her performance as the mother. Yeah. But it's pretty good. She won't get it because this is a horror film. True. You think they'll make like a part two or anything like that? Or I think this. I think the end of this movie is kind of just where they're going to leave it. Understandable. I mean, there's not much else you can really do. Yeah. Just bring a new family in. I mean, if you if you can, then you know, good, great. I'd I'd definitely watch it if there was a part two. I mean, of course. Um. Were there anything? Were there any things that you didn't like about it? I guess not really. I mean, honestly, it all just seemed on point. Yeah. I mean, what about you? Anything? Um, I mean, not really. I mean, <laughs> exactly. It just everything seemed so on point. Everything it just seemed like it was perfect timing. This movie has split the horror community in half, really. There's people who say the movie's a damn masterpiece, and there's people who say it's trash because it's too slow or something like that. Well, that's the whole point of the movie. You got to get what's going right. on. Um, it's a slow burn, and honestly, slow burn movies are so underused. I feel like they they really are, to be honest. Right, like with. Honestly, with today's world, everyone everyone's just fast-paced, and, you know, people actually need to sit down and watch this movie to realize how great it is, <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, again, it's, it, it's a crazy movie, like, from, like, it's slow, I mean, sure, it's slow, but it's unrelenting, because it starts off with a funeral scene. And, and it pretty much just goes downhill from there. Yeah, it completely. It's a collision course to just multiple atrocities. Yeah, pretty much. And it's just so unrelenting, especially during, you know, whenever Charlie gets decapitated. Yeah, it. it's like if you're having a bad day and you're just like all of a sudden, oh man, this day really can't get any worse. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that's how this movie is. Yes, it can. It's like, how can this get any worse? And then you say that and it just gets worse and worse until, well, <laughs> massive spoilers if you haven't, yeah. if you even care at this point, but you're, you're all dead. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's a very interesting movie. Again, it split the horror community. And it's got like like critics have gave it you know massive reviews like on Letterbox, which is you know movie review yeah. app and stuff, and catalog. One thing I didn't really get was how did the dog die at the end? 
I, I assumed it was probably the either the cult or maybe. And also that like you know whenever he jumped out of the window, that light like what 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 do you think that was? Uh, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not either. I, it just left me questionable on those things really. Like again uh, earlier on in this episode, uh, we we talked about that and it's it's weird that we don't really know what it is. Like maybe it's like the the soul of the grandmother, maybe or this deity they talk about throughout the entire movie. Maybe, I think it could have been that whole entity of that whole the whole person they were talking about, who's like that ruler of hell. Yeah, and I, I think it could have been that. That's the, but that's just my opinion. Gooey remembers the name of the deity. I forgot it like everything else I forgot <laughs> in my life so yeah I, I know what you're talking about yeah it's just I don't remember its name now I mean me being the person that I am there were points in that movie where I laughed <laughs> to be honest <laughs> like at the end whenever the <laughs> that woman just like floated straight up into the treehouse just like just, just like yeet went up Ooh. there I laughed pretty <laughs> I didn't really laugh pretty hard I just I kind of chuckled well yeah when I saw that my reaction was just like what the hell is happening right now <laughs> yeah pretty much like it's so surreal to see that happen like it's something <laughs> you see like in a cartoon and it just like yeah happens <laughs> I'm here and now I'm gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it's a very it's a very good movie, in my opinion. I know you said earlier it was a masterpiece. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best scary movies I've seen in a, quite a while, honestly. I, <laughs> I I, had my doubts before seeing it, to oh, be honest. Oh, yeah, I did, too. Like, honestly, the ad campaign that I saw for it, like, all the commercials and yeah. stuff, was all, like, making it look like another ghost movie. Yeah. And I'm honestly tired of that. And again, there's moments of that in here, yeah. but at the same time, this movie's completely different. Yeah. Like that one movie, um, what was that one movie we went and seen, like, uh, about a year or two ago, where it was talking about the whole, you'll need a priest after this movie, or... Oh, Conjuring, was it Conjuring 2? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I th- in my opinion, you'll need a priest after this movie, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people were, like, comparing this to, like... A new exorcist or anything like that. I do see similarities in that. I mean, what do you think about all yeah, that? Yeah, there's some similarities. Maybe a more updated exorcist. Yeah. I mean, it, it is different. I mean, there's possession in the movie, but it's it's a lot different. Like I, I try to compare it a little bit to The Shining. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but... I've seen bits and pieces. Okay. I need to watch it, to be honest. It's... It's one of my favorite movies of all time, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess with that, anything else you have to say about the movie before we we, we put the mics up and call it a night? Just that it was great. Uh, if there is a part two, you know, I'll definitely be there to see it. And uh, that's it, really. All right. Definitely recommend seeing it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's a definite watch from, I mean, everyone we've we talked to about it really has give it good reviews. So, I mean, I give it high praise. I mean, you gave it high praise. What do you, what do you think you'd rate it? 
I mean, on the podcast, we don't necessarily rate things. Oh, okay. But, I mean, on Letterboxd, I gave it, like, four and a half when I first saw it. All right. But, after watching it, it stuck in my mind, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So, yeah, pretty much. Like, after the movie, I wasn't traumatized. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I just... Starstruck. You know, I, I, was, I just... I was shocked, and I had to just comprehend, you know, what... What the hell did I just watch? <laughs> right, but yeah, after watching, like after watching it and thinking about it for a while, it, this movie's like, you know, if we were writing and whatnot, it's five. It's for sure. It, it's in my yeah, opinion. It's really good. But yeah, I mean, if we don't have anything else to to say, then I guess we should call it a night. I guess I yeah. I'm not sure how to end this, but peace. I'm Matt. I'm Doug. And you've been listening to the podcast dedicated to the dark side of film, Sick on Cinema. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Doug, for joining us on the podcast. Anytime. I mean, we we talked about bringing you on for an episode in the future. Yeah. So, yeah, this probably won't be the last time you hear Doug's wonderful voice. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) I know my voice can be a little weird, I guess. (laughs) Weird, and I don't think it's weird but uh well (laughs) that's it (laughs) see ya see you guys